Well, thank you for being present today. If you'll open your Bible to page 222, 222 is where we're going to be today in this great, great chapter in the book of Judges. Hudson Taylor, uh, a missionary of long ago in China, 54 years he was a missionary in China. Uh, he, was very, he was the founder of what is known as the China Inland Mission, which was responsible for bringing 800 missionaries to China. Not only that, they started two, 125 schools, and in those 125 schools, there were directly involved uh, 20,000 people, Chinese people, who placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. So uh, Hudson Taylor made a tremendous, tremendous impact in China. Now, what got my mind on that was I was reading thing, uh, some material the other day, and I ran across this little quote that uh, Hudson Taylor is credited for saying. And let me just read it to you. He says, you do not need great faith, but faith in a great God. Now you think about that a moment. You don't need great faith. You know, we all want to have more faith. And we certainly, you know, we want our faith to grow and be stronger and stronger, but that's not the, that's not the issue. It's not our great faith, but it is our faith in a great God. And when I read that, Somehow, you do the same thing. You read something, you see a little quote or something, you'll maybe read a line or two, and somehow it gets in your brain. For me, most of it seems to get in my brain, out of my brain more quickly than it used to. But there are things that seem to get in your mind, and they kind of stay in your mind and stay on the front burner in your mind. And that, that quote really rang a bell to me. You do not need great faith but faith in a great God. And as I thought about that, I began to think about people in the Bible that learn that truth like in a process of time. You know, much of our learning about God is, is a process. You, you, you become a Christian instantly, but we grow not instantly. We grow. It's a process. That's how life journeys along spiritually as well as in other areas. And so I thought, now who in the Bible would be a good example of a person that learned that truth uh, over step by step over a period of time? And I thought, I know just the person, and I'm sure there are others, but the one I want to focus on today is Gideon. And so if you look with me in Judges chapter number six, and let me read, if I can, these first 11 verses, kind of first 10 verses as our background. Now, our text is going to begin over here in verse number 11. But look with me in uh, page, I don't know what page, chapter six, verse one is on it somewhere close to page 222. It may be on it. But Judges chapter six, verse one, the Bible says the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And you know, the evil they did could be summed up in three words. For example, the words infidelity, idolatry, and intermarriage. That's exactly what's being talked about. And so God looked, and in his sight, he saw his children doing evil. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of Midianites 
because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves dens, caves, and strongholds, which are in the mountains. In other words, they were so horrified of the Midianites that they just began to find hiding places. When we go on a Holy Land trip, one of the places we go is a place called En Gedi. It's down by Masada, near Qumran. And we, we look, as we walk up that little area of En Gedi, all the way up, you look up in all these uh, all these caves up into the rocks and the mountains, and and of course that's a very that's a sermon for another time. But this is this is the idea. Verse three says, "So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza." And leave no substance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock in their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. Now look in verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Have you ever noticed when we're struggling with things, that seems to be when mankind cries out to God? Well, it's as old as our scripture today, exactly what God's children were doing. They were crying out to the Lord. Verse 7, it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites. What God wanted, he wanted confession of sin. What God was receiving was their crying out to God, God, help me. Now, verse 8, interesting. The Bible says the Lord sent a prophet. Now, you say, who is this prophet? Answer, unknown. Scripture doesn't answer that one. But God sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell because you have not obeyed my voice. Now that's kind of our background for where we want to go today. Now look in verse 11. The Bible says, now the angel of the Lord, I believe, and many others believe this is a pre-incarnate Christ, Jesus himself, came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, and belo- which belonged to Joash, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. In other words, he was kind of trying to hide out at this wine press so the Midianites wouldn't see him doing what he was doing and come and destroy the very work that he was doing. In verse 12, the Bible says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, now look at this, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? 
And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now, well, this is a sad conclusion. The Lord has forsaken us and delivered us in the hand of the Midianites. Now look in verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. I have now, I, have I not now sent you? And then verse 15, so he said to God, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who is with me. And I think next Tuesday we may pick up at this point and deal with this fleece matter and all that, but that's not where I want to go today. You know, as I read that little scripture in verses 11 on following, 11 through 13, and, and I read it in some different translations as well, I, I thought to myself, you know, probably everybody's going to be at Tuesday Bible lunch. All of us have found ourselves exactly where Gideon found himself. If you look again in verse 13, I can relate to verse 13. First thing we read when he spoke back to God is this, is this word, if. In other words, he has doubt. He's uncertain that God is with us. He says, if the Lord is with us. Now, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me, and I think I can probably say true for all of us. There are times in life things happen, and we feel exactly like Gideon felt here. We just wonder, <laughs> with what's going on here, is God really with me? Is God with us? And not only that, I think many times we ask the very same thing Gideon asked. The little word, why, W-H-Y. He says, oh, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? I've had that question spoken. Sometimes people don't say it thinking I'm going to give an answer. They just say it because they're wondering about it. Why in the world has this happened to our family? Why has this happened to me? It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. And then I think sometimes... We conclude, just like he did in verse 13, that God has forsaken us. Now, when we ever reach that conclusion, we, we've kind of bottomed out. But I just say to you that, you know, in life, sometimes we, we doubt. Sometimes things happen that don't make sense. As pastors, we see that so oftentimes, you know, you know, why do the godly suffer and so many times you see people that just stayed so faithful and been so faithful. It just seems like they go through so many things and, you know, the thought goes through your mind, but when it becomes a personal thing. But the interesting thing is in this emotional condition, it's interesting. In verse 14, God gave Gideon his assignment. It, it's like he called him to do something. Here's what he said too. He turned to him and said, what I want you to do, 
I want you to go in this might of yours. Another translation translates that, go with the strength you have. You know, when, when we're going through hard things, it, it, it not only impacts us emotionally, if, if they're hard enough, they, they, they drain your physical strength. They just, they just drain the energy from you. I, I remember, you know, back three or four years ago, I guess about four years ago now, it's interesting that when Dottie was in MD Anderson going through her chemotherapy treatment in the hospital, the first two times she stayed in the hospital for three days and three nights taking chemo the whole time. And then the second round, it was another three days and three nights back in the hospital. And then rounds four or five, the next four rounds we, we did as outpatients. But while we were in, while we were there as inpatient, and during those days, like I stayed all the time, and, and down there's a, there's a place down on the bottom floor of MD Anderson's, I think they call it the garden, if I remember correctly. But anyway, it has some little shops, and, and it has a thing kind of like a Starbucks and, and little tables to sit. And, and, and I remember one of those nights, it was, it was it, I guess, in the midst of the night, but I thought, I thought, I'm just going to get on the elevator and go down there and just kind of see, see some different scenery a little bit. And I bump into Tony Evans. Many of you listen to Tony Evans on the, on the radio. He's a great, great preacher. And when, see, his wife, Lois, she was in MD Anderson going through uh, chemotherapy as well. And uh, it, it, of course, I, I didn't know him in a personal way, but when you're in the middle of the night and you're down there, you, everybody kind of gets to having conversation. But anyway, we, we struck up a conversation and, and then, uh, of course, he found out what I did. And, and, and then he got off on this conversation right here, like, kind of like what Gideon, you know, like with all the energies of his, and cetera, I mean, there he was going through all these kind of things. And, and I think both of us, one way or another, we maybe didn't say it this way, but we probably inside felt it this way and maybe had too much pride to say it. But we, but we all kind of get like that. But be that as it may, that's how Gideon was. And here's what God told him to do in verse 14. He said, here's your job. I want you to save Israel. I want you to rescue Israel. And then he said, I'm sending you to do it. That is your, this is your assignment. This is your assignment. Now, when God tells us to do something, whatever it might be, and God tells us to do many things, we see them as we read our Bible, I think very much like Gideon, we do exactly what Gideon did. You say, what did he do? <laughs> well, he started making excuses. Look down in verse 15. He said to God, now God just told him what he wanted to do. I want you to go in the strength you have. It may not seem like much, but go with what you've got rescue Israel. I'm sending you to do it. And what does old Gideon do? Verse 15. He said to God, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. So he made excuses. You know, we do it all the time. You read your Bible. It's very clear. This is what God says we're to do. And we, we start we start coming up reasons we can't do it. Well, that's what Gideon did. 
Well, God responded, and here was his response in verse 16, and it's what we need to remember. Whatever God tells you to do, it may be a very simple thing, it may be a very complex thing, but it's clear this is what God would have you do. We always need to remember what we read in verse 16. God responded with a promise to Gideon that is a promise to all of God's children. The Lord said to him, and he says it to us, surely I will be with you. You know, folks, as long as we know that God's with us, we're okay. Could I have an amen to that? I had the most interesting visit yesterday. Never had one. Well, I've had things kind of like it, but never in a way like it. I had an email that came to my office Monday from one of our members that said, I need to meet with Dr. Edmund or with John, either one, and I, I, I need to plan my funeral immediately. I'll be going to the hospital on Tuesday, and I won't probably be coming out, and I want to get everything taken care of. Well, when Lisa told me about that, I said, well, Let's just schedule a time and do it. And we did. It was the most amazing thing. I've never seen a man with such peace. I mean, I'm talking to a dying man. Well, I'm not talking to him. Actually, he couldn't talk. His cancer's in his throat. His voice is gone. He could kind of whisper. But I, I went and got him a yellow pad. I said, I, you know, just write down what you're trying to tell me so I can get it right. But the amazing thing was the peace this guy had. Just, and, I, and when I saw that, I thought, you know, here's a guy. <laughs> I think he's figured out what old Hudson Taylor was saying. It's not our great faith, but it's our faith in a great God and the difference it makes. And so God, God said, now here's, here's what you do. And, and that's exactly what he did. You know, here's what's interesting about Gideon to me. You may have never thought about it. You know, we know about the fleeces. We may deal with that next week. But the interesting thing about Gideon, his struggle was not to know God's will. His struggle was to have courage to do God's will. He, he didn't struggle knowing God's will. I've done that. You perhaps have as well. God clearly in verse 14, told him exactly what he was to do. Go in the strength you have, rescue Israel. I'm sending you. That was his job. The problem with that was he didn't have courage to do it. He didn't have courage to do it. I think this, I think more Christians know the will of God concerning things in their life than they realize they know. Their problem is not knowing things they should do. Their problem is they don't have the courage to do it. He lacked courage. And I'm calling that the Gideon era. And it's an era that many times Christian people make. And I was thinking about examples. For example, I mean, this is just every day where you and I live. God clearly tells us throughout scripture that we're to study his word. And we talk about that and encourage people to read their Bible and give them all kinds of different ways to go about reading their Bible. And, but have you ever noticed, I know this sounds strange. This is my opinion. I think people look for reasons not to read their Bible. You say, well, I don't know. I agree with that. Well, 
we don't always have to agree. When we get to heaven, you'll see I was right. You'll, you'll feel better about it. But I, really, I, I think we may not realize it. I think we look for reasons not to read the Bible. But then, I mean, you say, how do we? Well, we find reasons. I mean, why don't people? I mean, why, why would Christian people not every day read their Bible? Well, it's not that they aren't good people. It's not that they don't love God. What do we do? God's told us to. But what we do, for whatever reason, we don't have the courage to do the things we need to do to carve out time every day to see what God has to say. For example, God clearly tells us that we're to pray. God tells us we're to forgive people. Uh, God tells us we're to live godly lives. But you know, in this day and time where we live, we're around so many that are, that are not Christian people at all, and many others that don't live like Christian people. We let the peer pressure sometimes kind of silence us. And, and what's the problem? The problem is we, we don't have the courage to do the things that God ha- has told us to do. And where that leads is we begin to think, well, you know, my, you know, I, I, like I, I can't understand it or, you know, I, I, it's just my plate is full and uh, I do the best I can and all, you know, all this kind of stuff. I, I just want to encourage you, you know, one of the, we, none of us understands everything about the Bible, but like the old country farmer, I understand more than I do. My, my problem is not what I don't understand. My problem is, is doing what I do understand. And that, to me, is an amazing thing. One of those areas is forgiveness. You know, I'm convinced that people, more than we realize, are just consumed with a spirit of unforgiveness. You might want to remember, Dr. R.T. Kendall, I think the best book on the Bible on forgiveness that, that I know anything about is his book, On Total Forgiveness. And the first time he preached in our church years ago, he preached that sermon on that book. Now, he'll be back in our church the first Sunday in November, and I've asked him to preach the same sermon again on total forgiveness. And he'll share how what he went through in his life is what kind of developed that book. I I would just encourage you, and even if you can't be here, you can pull the sermon up later and watch it online. If people... That, that's just a real deal. And, and persons, that, people that won't forgive, they, they live in bondage. And it, it, it's almost like they're paralyzed. And probably something most all of us struggle with, just totally forgiving other people. Well, the Bible's clear about that. Well, it takes courage to do that. You might have to go make something right. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's not your fault. But, oh, my gracious I think Hudson Taylor is so on target. You don't need great faith, but faith in a great God. And how true, how true that is. You know, I read that the other day. And we're going through, Dottie and I are going through a, something in our life right now. That, that statement really helps me because on that issue, uh, my faith hadn't been as strong as, as I would wish it to be. And I thought about, you know, My faith's not the issue. What I need to do, I need to have complete faith in a great God. Folks, we have a great God. Could I have an amen to that? And whatever you go through in life, 
you know, don't make the Gideon era of not having courage to just, if God says it, that settles it. And just know he's sovereign, know he's in control, and trust him. Do like old Gideon, he told him, go in the strength that you have. No, do what you can. But there's a point out there where we can't do what needs to yet be done. Nothing God can't do. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Hudson Taylor. Lord, what a, what a ministry that dear man had. And when I read that little quote the other day, I had no idea. Really, when I read the quote that I'd use it at Tuesday Bible Launch, and then I had no idea I'd need to quote myself. We all, from time to time, need to be reminded to have faith in the great God we do have. Lord, I pray today, most all of us in this room know things that the Bible's very clear that we need to do that we're not doing. We do. Bible's clear. Give us courage to do the things that you teach us to do. Remembering that you're always with us and remember that you're sovereign and you're all powerful and there's nothing you can't do. We trust you in that. In Jesus' name, amen.